0: High Point Church Online. I'm Miriam. And I'm Jenny. And we're so glad to have you here this morning. And if this is your first time checking in with us, we are especially happy
1: to see you. Jenny, what's going on? (laughs) So we're finally in December, right? Yes, December. And that means craziness but wonderfulness. We have a lot going on this Christmas. I'm sure you do personally. And then as a church, we do. So one really fun thing we're going to have happen this month is to get to stay on top of what's happening, to be able to give, to be able to uh, take part in trivia where you can win prizes. Then we're asking that you text CHEER, C-H-E-E-R to 97000. One thing we like to say here is that we're serious about fun, but we're also serious about faith. And one thing about being faithful is by giving through our tithes and our offering. You can do that again by going to by texting cheer at 97000 or by going to our website. And we're going to continue this time by walking through our advent. It's something we started last week. We spoke on hope and today we get to talk about peace.
0: And so we're going to start with the reading of the word. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is a Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests Luke 2 8 through 14
1: so today we relight the candle of hope Let this candle remind us of the great hope we have in Jesus and in God's promises. As we light the candle of peace, let it remind us to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. Join us in prayer. Father, help us prepare our hearts for your coming. We are so grateful that you bring us your peace. Help our hearts to welcome you and make a home for you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Welcome back. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. Great to be with you online today. Uh, Always a joy, especially if this is your first time. Welcome uh, to High Point Online. Uh, It's a great time uh, to worship together. We're in a series right now, a teaching series, called At The Movies. And like many of you, not all of you, but like many of you, uh, we like, my family and I, we like to watch some movies around Christmas. You know, we've got the classics that we go to. We've got Home Alone. We've got Elf. We've even got some throwback classic, like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, but one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. And yes, I did just say that it is in fact a Christmas movie. I'm putting my foot down on it. One of the greatest Christmas movies of all time is a little film I like to call Gremlins. That's right, it is a, what's considered a horror classic. I don't even know how it quite fits that bill, but nevertheless, uh, the movie Gremlins, what many of you may not know is that Gremlins is actually inspired by the movie It's a Wonderful Life. In fact, there's a scene in the kitchen in Gremlins where they have It's a Wonderful Life playing as homage to its predecessor. Uh, The directors of Gremlins wanted to create a movie, a film, where there wasn't really a hero that saved the day. In other words, they wanted a dark version of It's a Wonderful Life with no George Bailey's present, right? What would it look like? And so instead of Bedford Falls that you have in It's a Wonderful Life, you have Kingston Falls. You've got the same small town set where everybody knows each other. And in the movie Gremlins, you've got, well, frankly, you you have this town, this city. That in many ways is sad and discouraged and depressed a bit. You have it being run and overrun really by the bank, and there's a woman that owns the bank, and there are people who can't pay their mortgages, right? There are people, most people are working two to three jobs in the movie. There's people dealing with heartache and loss around the holidays, bitterness in their heart. There's people dealing with job loss. And to to put the, the, the icing on the cake, you've got a dad who's trying to bring the best Christmas present to his boy, right? And so what does he do? He brings home a little special something called gizmo. And this is the Christmas present that marks the movie, this little fuzzy delight right? It's gizmo. Who doesn't want a gizmo in their life? But like so many things, gizmo, it starts out fuzzy and fluffy and nice. And gizmo turns into this nasty little thing called a gremlin. I don't even know what you, what do you even call this thing? It's got sharp teeth. It's kind of reptilian looking, it's nasty. And the truth is, gremlins in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, represent all the frustrations and disappointments that life has to offer. And that's the movie of gremlins, overcoming, right? Disappointment, overcoming unmet expectations, overcoming the frustrations and and just the difficulties of the day. Can you relate to that at all? I have a feeling that you can. Where life is, you're expecting gizmo and instead you get a gremlin, right? You're expecting things to go one way. Uh, It's going to be this, but instead I got that. God, what are you doing? Where are you at? Hello, do you hear me? Do you see me? I was thinking I, I got a gizmo here and instead have got gremlin. I think you can relate in more ways than you probably even realize right now. And the good news is, is you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just helpful to know that you're not in it alone. Right, that, that sometimes when you're going through a hard time or, or you've got disappointments that you're carrying, you're not the only one who has disappointments. You're not the only one who's faced a challenge and difficulty. Not only do the p- other people watching, people in our church, people in your community, but when we read the Bible, you are not alone. So do this. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9 today. We're going to get into the scriptures and look about what it means to really walk through disappointment in your life. A lot of people feel those kinds of things around the holidays. Why? Because we have these fanciful, inflated expectations many times of what the holidays are supposed to feel like. And then reality sets in, right? You didn't get that if you're a teen or you're a kid watching today. You didn't get that Christmas present you thought you were going to get. Or maybe on a more serious note. Maybe your marriage is difficult. It's just it's just harder than you thought it was going to be. It's just, it's just difficult. And you find yourself carrying some disappointment. Maybe you're single and you thought you wouldn't be by now. Maybe uh, you had a relationship or engagement and it went sideways or it went south and you, you thought it was this and then it was that. Maybe you lost a loved one and you just, you weren't expecting it or, or it's just, it's still as hard this time of year. We all have different kinds of disappointments. So turn with me in Isaiah chapter 9 as we get into the Bible and we let God's word help us walk through it. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, this is a prophetic scripture, right? This is this is foreshadowing the coming of Christ. And Isaiah prophesies in this moment. The prophet, he says, There will be no more gloom for those in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor the way of the sea. Beyond the Jordan, Galilee, Of the nations, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. If I have you for just a few minutes today, then know this that God brings light to the dark and disappointing places in your life. That's one of the things that he does. Now, let's be clear. The gospel and Jesus being born, Jesus is is sent to this earth. God's great plan, his great mission is that his people would be redeemed. We would that we would be set free right from the oppression of our sin, that we would have restored relationship with him. But one of the other things that that we see is this kind of language about light and darkness. And many times when we talk about Christmas, we emphasize gizmo. Oh, it's so fuzzy, right? We just, we love it all. We have the fake snow or real snow, depending on where you're watching from, you know, blowing through. And and we have all these things, right? That make it feel a certain way. But underneath the surface, many times is this nasty little guy. And before we get to the, the beauty and wonder of Christmas, many times we've got to first deal with this guy. <clears throat> when we read about Isaiah prophesying, he's he uses uh, he uses he's talking about two places, Zebulun and Naphtali. And we, many times, if you're a Westerner, right? Maybe you grew up in the church. You 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 might know what that is. You might know what it's a reference to. But it's a a geographical place. It's actually the names of two of the tribes of Israel. There's 12 tribes and this is two of the tribes. And before we get to the light that Jesus is to the nations, what we first see prophetically in Isaiah chapter nine, that Jesus repeats in Matthew chapter four, is that Nebulon or Naphtali and Zebulun are going to receive the light of God. Those who are living in darkness, Isaiah is speaking specifically about these people. Many times we look at it prophetically as as this is a message to the nations, and it is. But before we understand it as good news for the world, we're to understand it as good news to these two tribes. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is going on in Zebulun and Naphtali that they are described as a people living in darkness, in the shadow of death? In other words, a place plagued by just discouragement and feeling depressed and it being a place of perpetual disappointment. Well, what you may not know is that Naphtali and and Zebulun, they are the two northern tribes of Israel. They're two of the most northern tribes. And so when God is leading his people to the promised land, right, this is where uh, Naphtali and Zebulun, this is where they set up shop, right? This is where they end up as tribes and they, their people grow and multiply. This is their homeland and it's northern Israel. Well, a lot of neighbors don't like Israel and they want to fight and they want to take Jerusalem and you have Assyria and you have Babylon and you have uh, not just us, Syria. You have Syria. You have, you have surrounding nations that are in perpetual battle with Israel over and over again. And they take them into exile, and force them into slavery. And it's a tough road. But it, many times, instead of traveling the desert to attack Israel and to try to take Jerusalem, where would they come? They would come in through the north. They would come through Naphtali and Zebulun and so the two places that found themselves crushed by neighboring armies over and over and over again were these two places you would have found yourself once again dealing with pain once again feeling loss once again having your farm ransacked pillaged embattled, stuff stolen, people killed once again, over and over again through the years. And so this place, Naphtali and Zebulun, it became it became a place that where people knew like, oh man, that place. Whew. It's sad there. It's disappointing there. And so when God shows up, and he speaks through the prophet Isaiah, the good news, that's, that the light coming to right the world. Well, it comes first to a very specific place, a place that has felt like the shadow of death and a place that has felt like living in darkness, Zebulun and Naphtali. And what is it that he says? I'll repeat it again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That's good news for the world, but we see it on this side of things, but it would have been amazing news for them in that moment. I think of it like this, you know, I try to contextualize things and, this is an uh, almost this is an insulting parallel right because th- this is more of a humorous story but but it, it, it illustrates it well. The, the pastor, I don't even know if this story is real, but the pastor's got a Christmas Eve sermon that he's delivering, like all pastors typically do. And he's got a last-minute idea, which also sounds very familiar uh, to any pastor that's watching. A last-minute idea that he wants to orchestrate. And he's pulling kids up on stage, right? And they've got, they've got letters, and they're spelling star, and he is preaching about the star of Bethlehem. And where does that star appear, by the way, in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun? This is where all this is taking place. And so he's bringing the kids up on stage and they're spelling star. Only the order of the kids gets wrong. And instead of spelling star, they spell rats. (laughs) All right. And again, it's the gizmo to gremlin moment. Where you're like, I thought I was getting this, and instead I got that. I thought I had the star of Bethlehem, but instead of a star, I've got rats. And the Christmas story, it actually helps us in this moment. Because everybody can, we all can resonate with unmet expectations and disappointments. But Christmas, the Christmas story of Jesus being born, it resonates so strongly and powerfully with that sentiment and that experience. But many times it's overshadowed by the cultural accoutrements that we put around it. But understand this. Let's take a look at just some of the few examples. We have Mary, who turns up pregnant, right? Now, imagine that you're engaged imagine you're going to get married you've got some ideas about how this is going to go now i can't put a western you know lens on what a jewish engagement at that time would have been like right like i don't know all the details of it but i can promise you you weren't planning for this You weren't planning for that, to to have to tell the guy that you're engaged to that you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Is there some kind of disappointment here? Probably, right? I I mean, not disappointing that you're having the Son of God, but, but some of the things around having a baby and getting married, they just wouldn't have gone your way. Imagine telling your parents I mean, imagine the disappointment that that would have been to grandma and grandpa. And what oftentimes happens, might I add, is the situation that feels disappointing now becomes the thing that defines you. And instead of this thing feeling like a disappointment, now you are the disappointment. And some of you know what that's like. Some of you are trying to parent kids right now, and there's just simply disappointing factors and situations. But instead of those things just feeling disappointing, now you carry the weight of disappointment, and you you, you feel like it's you. I'm the problem. I'm the disappointment. You finally, you know, you're you're getting ready to, to have the baby and... You're told that you gotta travel a hundred miles walking for a census. <laughs> if I told that to my wife when she was pregnant with our first, oh, there would have been a lot more than disappointment happening. Okay. But that would have been disappointing. This isn't how you want to spend, right? The final days of your pregnancy. That's disappointing. You get there, there's no room. You don't have a place to even have the son of God that you've been told you're carrying. That's disappointing. You have the baby, and I mean, again, I know there are some cultural differences here, but I think there are some things that just ring true regardless of your ethnicity, nationality, regardless of even your age, in your experience, where you live. When you have a baby. It's a thing that you celebrate. You have a baby, you want to show your baby off to your friends. Right? Like he's here. And where is Mary? She's maybe with some family, but certainly not with her friends, not with the people that she knew. There wouldn't have been any, I mean, where's the party? Right? Where's the celebratory moment? I don't know that she's getting much of that. I don't know that she's experiencing much of that. I've got to think, if an angel shows up to you and, and tells Mary, you're going to have the Son of God, the Messiah, the one we have long waited for, You're the one who's going to bring him into this world. Joseph, uh, your wife, Mary, she's carrying the son of God, the Messiah, the anointed one. You're going to be his father. Okay, wow. You get past the fear. And now you, 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 you accept the reality that this is in fact happening. You are bringing and are going to parent the son of God, the Messiah. Now, if I'm Mary or Joseph, I've got some ideas as to maybe how this is going to go. I'm thinking if this is God's son, The Messiah, I'm thinking the red carpet's going to get maybe rolled out a little bit here. I'm thinking, you know, that that maybe there's going to be, you know, some, you know, and some horns being blown and and like the celebration and all the things and all the things. And instead. I'm walking a hundred miles I'm facing shame and embarrassment. I get to to Bethlehem. There's no place to even have this child. So he's born in a stable. People hunting after him to kill him. Oh, I'm thinking I've got the star of Bethlehem, but it feels a lot more like rats. Oh, shucks ratty stable, chased by a rat king named Herod, gizmo, and instead I've got a Kremlin. That's not to say or to take away from the wonder of Christmas or the fact that it is in fact good news. But many times we forget that we celebrate it on this side of the scriptures. But if you're living through it, you're wondering what on earth is going on? Sound familiar? Yeah. Many of you have asked the same thing. God, what are you doing? I'm so disappointed. This did not work out the way I thought it was. I thought you were saying this and you just, and it wasn't that. Where are you? Do you see me? Do you see what's going on? How do we walk through those disappointments? Well, here's the good news. And I wanna say this one more time with clarity, even though I haven't brought any explanation to it. And that is simply this, that in the same way that Isaiah prophesied that God is bringing light to the dark places in the shadowy places, and that those living in darkness have seen a great and wondrous light. God is still in the business of bringing light to dark places. That is the good news. God is bringing light to the dark and disappointing places of your life. Here's what I want you to know of all the places that God could have sent his son to be born. Where did Jesus grow up? Where did Jesus spend his time ministering? Where did Jesus heal the blind? Where did Jesus preach? Where did Jesus speak to the masses? He did it in Galilee. He did it in Canaan. He did it in Naphtali and Zebulun, the, the place that, that's rejected, the place that people thought, oh, that's just that nobody wants to go there. That's kind of on the fringe. That's not that's not the place of importance. That's not Jerusalem. Oh, no, no, no. That's out there. It's a place of disappointment, darkness. And yet that is exactly where God sends his son. He sends Jesus to the place that's experiencing the shadow of death. Just getting by. That's where Jesus begins his ministry. John chapter 1, 76 through 79, we see Jesus and John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin. They're both prophesied about. Once again, in John chapter 1, uh, John the Baptist is born, Jesus's cousin, and his job is to do what is to prepare the way for the Lord. Right. If you've ever been in a place with a lot of snow, right. And you got to get out with a snow shovel and you got to clear the path. Right. Like John the Baptist is the snow plow for Jesus. Who's just he's making a way. He's preparing the way for Jesus to be able to walk on this sidewalk for Jesus's ministry for it to be fruitful. John the Baptist is making it happen. But before he's born, this is what the scriptures say. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. Speaking of John. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living where? in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. See, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus. And what is Jesus described as in this moment? He's described as the rising sun. Some of you might have a translation that describes Jesus in in this verse as day spring. The dayspring, the one who brings light. Now, I've been, through, I've been through some tough moments, right? My dad died at 51, had some relationships uh, that have gone south sideways, had some financial transactions and financial moments and business things and uh, church planting things, right, that did not go the way that I thought. I'm not in the city that I even originally thought that I would be in. And I didn't plant a church with the people that I originally thought I was going to plant with. Best friends ripped apart and all the things that go in between. And I mean, it was that the, I'm like any other person where you've experienced heartache and disappointment and difficulties. And on one such occasion, without getting into all the details of it, I sat with a, a pastor and I never forgot the words that he shared with me because he, he's, he looked at me and it was one of those dark nights of the soul for me where it just felt like, man, is it, is it ever gonna break? Like it's just, it's dark outside. It's disappointing. And he looked at me and he said, Andy, you know, wh- what time is it? You know, and, well, it's this time, blah, blah, blah it's like okay when you go outside and it's 1 in the morning how dark is it outside like it's pitch black especially in the country you go out you you i mean you can't see anything it's just inky dark stars in the sky but that's about it it's pitch black isn't it you go out at 4 in the morning how dark is it outside It's still pretty pitch black. In fact, it doesn't feel any different, does it? Four in the morning than at one in the morning. Yeah, you're right. It is. It still is pitch black. And he looked at me and he said, but how much closer are you at four in the morning to the break of dawn than you were at one in the morning? You're that much closer to the day spring." You're that much closer to the one who's, who's bringing the, the fresh dawn of the day. And sometimes we forget that when we're going through a hard time or a disappointing time and that we think it's never going to end, but it is going to end. We're, we're going to see the light of day. That is one of the promises that we have, even if it's not in this life at times, right? We cling to the hope of who Jesus is. And, and I want to see him do what I, only he can do in this life. But even if I don't, the Bible reminds me and the scriptures remind me that Jesus is is the one eventually who will wipe away every single tear. Revelation uh, chapter 21, Isaiah 53, verse 4, that Jesus is the one who takes my pain and he bears my suffering. Psalm 34, 16, or excuse me, 18, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is who Jesus is, the one who showed up and went. First to the downtrodden, first to the disappointed, first to those living in darkness, in Zebulun and Naphtali. He is coming to your dark places as well. Don't give up. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop asking. Don't stop holding on to the one who is good and gracious and kind and whose heart beats for you. Don't let go. Remember who Jesus is. He's the one who brings light to the dark and disappointing places of your life. There's one other thing that I want to share this morning that I I think is a truth that we we need to be reminded of deep down in our hearts without going to the scripture for it, just for time's sake, when when the angel appeared to Mary, the angel Gabriel says that you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Emmanuel. In other words, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And I know in my own life, one of the things that has brought me just courage, over and over again through difficult times and hard times is having someone to walk with through that difficult time. And when we speak of God and we speak of his cosmic plan and the purposes of his life, sometimes we can leave God too far out. When in fact, one of the names of Jesus is that he is God with you. Meaning he is is the God that was sent for you to be up close and personal in your life, in the midst of your challenge and in the midst of your difficulty. No, Jesus doesn't just, you know, do this make everything hard and difficult, go away. That isn't what he's doing in your life more often than not, but he will walk with you through it. Oh yes, he is the God who forgives us of our sins. He is the God who fills us with the Holy Spirit. He is the God who, who changes us from the inside out. All those things are true. Praise God. And also, just really simply, One of my most favorite things about Jesus is that he's also also the God who is simply with you. He's with you. He sees you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's not ignoring your situation. He's walking with you through it. And because that's who he is, you can hang tight to him. You can hold on, you can grip, you can pray, you can ask, you can trust. And yes, he is not a little magic fairy where we just pray and everything is just immediately solved. And when we act that way as Christians, it actually does disservice to who Jesus is and what he is doing. Sometimes there aren't great answers for why things are the way they are. They're simply either we don't know what God is doing in his larger plan or simply we're, we've fallen, right? To victim to the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of sin and just sometimes disappointing things happen. And so what do we do? We go to the one who's with us. We go to the one who knows disappointment? We go to the one who has faced pain and difficulty and overcome it. We go to the one who will eventually wipe away every tear and every bit of pain. We go to the one who's close to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, the one who bears our pain and our suffering. We go to him and we cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for us. That's who he is. That's what he does. And that is the hope and good news. Part of the good news. Is that those who are living in darkness. Would see a great light. And those who feel like they're in it. In the shadow of death would experience the comfort and love of a Savior who sees them and is willing to walk with them, who's willing to walk with you. He sees you. He loves you and he's with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are. You are the God who sent your son, Jesus, the light of the world. But not just the world, God, also very specifically the God that you sent, you sent to the disappointed places, the dark places, the places defined by depression and death and 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 just all the all the things, Lord, you sent your son first to those places. And Lord, we are thankful not only for the hope of who Jesus is for the world, but for the hope of who he is to us in our lives. God, we're all dealing with different things in our life that feel disappointing. And in this moment, I pray for courage to trust you again. God, courage to lift our eyes to you, courage to cry out to you, courage to hold on and to not give up. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who sent Jesus to bring light to the dark and disappointing places in our life. God, I pray even now that you would bring that light to us today and in the days to come. We love you. We worship you, and we're holding on to you. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for being here. If God's ministering to you right now, I know you're watching online, and so it can be tough to know what to do. You can, right now in this moment, you can drop a comment in the chat, right? And we'll have one of our team leaders uh, reach out to you. Or if you'd prefer, you can find us on Facebook at High Point ATL. Um, If you're looking, the church is in Kennesaw, depending on where you're streaming from. You can send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram or even through our website, highpointatl.church. We'd love to help you take your next steps in faith and continue to have a great relationship with God. Merry Christmas. See you next week.
1: God loves the heart of a cheerful giver. I'm not so, I'm cheer. not saying he that. We're going I'm for not one. saying that. <laughs> We're <going for clears> throat> throat>